Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. You know, I'm excited to preach to you guys today. And uh, if you're taking out notes, you know, I want you to get excited. And uh, some of you might or might not know this, but Easter is coming. And uh, one thing we do as a church is for 21 days before Easter, as a church, and we've been doing this for a few years now, and one of the reasons we showed you the video earlier is to remind you that we are actually part of a larger church family. And when we decide as a church to pray and fast 21 days before Easter, it's not just ex-London that's doing it. It's not just ex-Bristol, ex-Edinburgh that's doing it. You're actually getting involved in the a combined prayer movement that's happening all across the world. Uh, in Malaysia, in Indonesia, in Singapore, in Africa, in Thailand, in Myanmar, you know, in different parts of the world, people are also together with you fasting and praying uh, for the 21 days leading up to Easter. And why do we want to do this? Uh, we want to do this as a church because, you know, there's power in not just in prayer, but also in fasting. And I want to get us ready uh, for the 21 days of prayer and fast, which in Acts Church we call U-turn. U-turn. Just like how sometimes we take a wrong turn uh, as we drive, and then we are forced to take a U-turn. And so we said that, you know, in life sometimes, uh, out of our own heart, we can be chasing after what we deem is success, what we deem is fun, and uh, end up on the wrong path. And so every year, it's good to just check back with God again and do a U-turn back to Him. And so that's why we call uh, that 21 days of prayer and fast a U-turn, a turning back to God. But I want to prepare us for it. Because how many know that if I didn't do this, and, and don't worry, we'll be only starting our fast on the 31st of March, all the way until, if I'm not mistaken, the last day of fasting will be the 19th of April, 21 days. You can do the math. Uh, and we want to do this and prepare you in advance because otherwise, what will happen is that you turn up to church on the 31st of March and then we say that today, you know, we're going to start our U-turn prayer and fast. And you, you, you didn't know about it. And, uh, you know, you came in and you, you noticed, how come the, the, the spread, the espresso spread is uh, so simple today? How come it's all vegan options only today? Uh, uh, what's happening? Where's the meat, man? Where's the meat? And only to realize, oh, 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 okay, it's prayer and fast. And the thing with us as Christians sometimes is that caught unawares, we just go with the flow. So we just go like, oh, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'll, I'll fast and pray along. But I want us to prepare because there's power in preparation. You know, turn to your neighbor and say, there's power in preparation. There's no power in routine. There's no power in peer pressure. So you can come to church and go, oh, everybody's fasting. Okay, I guess I'll fast. And there's no power in, in tradition. Oh, uh, I guess uh, since everyone's doing it, and because we do it every year, and now I'm part of this church, I, I might as well be doing it. So there's no power in tradition. There's no power in routine. There's no power in peer pressure. There's only power when we prepare for it. And so even as we're about to enter in, in three weeks' time, a season of prayer and fasting, I want to spend some time teaching us today how to prepare for fasting. So if you're taking down notes, the topic or the title for today's message is called The Good Fast. Because there are different types of fasts that the Bible talks about. You know, and sometimes the longer we become a Christian, we come up with different names for the different fasts. You know, we have uh, sunrise to sundown fast. Ooh, sounds impressive. It just means you, you fast, you know, from 7 a.m. to maybe 7 p.m. 
And, uh, you know, there's Daniel fast where you fast, you know, maybe from meat and abstain from meat and other flavorful food and you just go for fruit and vegetables and plain water. Uh, but I want you to know that fasting, external fast alone has no power as well. And there is different types of fast, but there's only one type of fast that pleases God's heart. And so I want us to turn to Isaiah chapter 58, verse 3 to 11. And I want to prepare us as a church to have a fast that pleases God's heart. And not only do I want to talk about fasting, I want to talk about the need for us as Christians to fast and the power of fasting. Some of you might be thinking, well, Pastor, why do we need to fast? You know, hasn't Jesus done it all? Fasting is maybe, you know, is it an Old Testament thing? You know, is it, is it to, to repay our sins thing? Uh, it's not. You know, fasting is unto God. And unlike other faiths, we're not fasting to punish ourselves. We're not fasting to cleanse ourselves. We're fasting so that we, we are more aligned with God. And so that our hearts are more in tune with Him. We're not fasting to be saved. We're saved to fast. Amen? And so I want to help us uh, to enjoy fasting. Because I can guarantee you, when I talk about fasting, enjoyment is the last thing you think about. Amen? You know, you won't, you won't, you won't, you know, fasting is not enjoyable. That's why nobody will say, for, for my birthday wish this year, I just want to fast. No, it's the opposite. You want to feast. Uh, but I also want us to know the importance of fasting because even though Jesus has died for our sins and the work on the cross is perfect, it's complete, what the work on the cross has done is that it has removed the penalty of sin. It has removed the the sting of death. It has removed the punishment of sin. But it hasn't removed the power of sin in our lives. Do I need to say it one more time? The finished one on the cross has removed the penalty of sin, has removed the punishment of sin, but because we are still fallen creatures, there is still, sin still has the occasional power and influence over us. And fasting actually helps us to address and helps us to reduce and helps us to confront some of these areas in our lives that are still having power over us. Amen? And so that's why I want to teach us how to fast. That is why as a church we want to fast because we don't just want to have partial victory, we want to have complete victory in Christ. Amen? So in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 3 to 11, that will be our main text today. And if you're holding a physical Bible, it actually says there, you know, a fasting that pleases God. Some of you might have that subheading, uh, but we will read on. And uh, we're going to read, and then I'm going to give you uh, context of the scripture that you just read, and how there are actually three parts, and we'll be focusing on the part in the middle, and specifically uh, two words. Amen. So, uh, Isaiah 58, verse 3 to 11. If you're there, can you hear a good amen? Amen. Praise God. Now it says here, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls, and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? And so this is the first component of fasting. 
And the prophet Isaiah was addressing how many times, even we as Christians can go like, no, I've prayed. And I'm not just prayed. I've prayed and fasted. I've fasted and i prayed. And still, God, why haven't you heard me? God, still, why haven't I seen my breakthrough? And the prophet Isaiah is trying to tell us that, do you know that you can be fasting and you can still get it wrong? You know, we can be talking about, oh, I'm, I'm fasting Daniel fast, I'm doing this fast, I'm doing sundown to sunrise fast, I'm fasting coffee, I'm fasting Instagram, I'm fasting this, I'm fasting that, but you can still get it wrong. And, and why do we get it wrong? Because we fast for the wrong reasons. We fast with uh, impure intentions. The prophet Isaiah is criticizing the people of God. He says, sometimes you fast, but you, you still do whatever you want. So you're only partially, you know, respecting God. Your heart is only partially turned to God. You, 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 you're, you're externally looking like you're humble and turning to God, but internally, you are still doing life as you wish. You're still doing whatever that, that gives you pleasure. You are still exploiting your laborers. Uh, you are still using this as a platform for self-righteousness so that you can debate and criticize your other brothers and sisters and tell them how they're doing the fasting wrong. You know, you, 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 all of this doesn't please God. And God is saying that I'm, I'm also not for, you know, uh, I'm not here for theatre. I'm not here for drama. And sometimes you, know, you fast, but all you're doing is creating spiritual drama. You know, have I called a fast so that you can look downcast and so that you can put on sackcloth and ash over your face and look like you're having a miserable time? Is that the type of fast? That is not the type of fast that God is looking for, declares the prophet Isaiah. So let's go into the next part, which talks about the type of fast that God is looking for. Next page. Is this not the fast that I have chosen, says God? So this is important. Because as we enter into, you know, 21 days of prayer and fast, you know, uh, we will also be choosing the type of fast and, and the, you know, the, what we will be fasting. And just for kind of like, you know, full disclosure, uh, I have already decided, well, I've been doing this for a few years now, that for the next 21 days, not next 21 days, but starting from the 30th of April, we, uh, I will be fasting caffeine. And so some of you know that I love coffee, so I have declared that I will be fasting coffee, and not just coffee, but caffeine, so I will not substitute it with tea. And uh, in fact, I will just declare that uh, I'll not even, uh, so I won't even substitute it with tea or even Coke or soft drinks that have caffeine, uh, but just plain water for me. And on top of that, you know, I'm still seeking God on what else to fast. And, and, and part of me is, is challenging myself to go like, you know what, uh, what would really uh, hurt you uh, this season? Uh, because recently, just again, full disclosure, uh, I've been, uh, I don't know, I've, I've just been enjoying meat a little bit more recently. And some of you can see the evidence of that externally. Uh, and I felt God says, you know what, you know, maybe this uh, uh, year for U-turn, I want you to give up meat. Uh, I want you to do a Daniel fast on to me. So these are some things that, you know, I'm thinking of and uh, preparing my heart and stomach uh, to go for. Uh, but, you know, we can choose all sorts of external fasts. But in a while, we're going to read the prophet Isaiah. It was speaking to the people, giving them God's message that whatever external fast you choose, more importantly, that you, you, you fast on the internal. In other words, don't just focus on what you're fasting from. Be fixated with what you're fasting for. God said that at a time, one more time. Because sometimes we, we get into conversations about what are we fasting from. You know, go fast from TV. We're going to be fasting from movies. We're going to be fasting from this, from that. But God wants us to fast for something, not just from something. And so we're going to read on. 
Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? And when you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, aka family members. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And so here you have the prophet Isaiah saying that this is the type of fast that God is looking for. You know, God's not interested. As you can see, never once did God mention the type of fast. God could have said that this is the type of fast that I'm looking for. That you shall abstain from food and drink, from sunrise to sundown. It didn't. It says, it says this is the type of fast I want. I want you to focus internally on losing bonds, setting the wicked free, remembering those that are less fortunate than you. In other words, it's really not about the external, but it's about the internal. Amen. And so I want you to also know that as a church, this, this is something that, you know, we, we, we do. Because the Word of God says that fasting, fasting that pleases God is not complete if you do not remember the poor and less fortunate. And that is why for the last two years of our church doing this 21 days of prayer and fast together, and those of you would know, and I'm going to declare this in advance, just in case you are new to church, are probably wondering, Pastor, will there be a Good Friday service? Short answer, no. But we will be doing something. And for the last two years, as a church, we have taken this scripture to heart. And on Good Friday at least, on Good Friday itself, uh, we have organized our homes and we have each of the homes chose a location and a meal time uh, to prep, cook, and pack food to give out to the poor and less fortunate. And so it started, uh, you know, two years ago and, and Camden Homes and, and at the time we had Bloomsbury Homes. So we had two homes. And so Camden did lunch and they fed the, the, the poor and less fortunate around Camden during lunchtime, giving food all the way until... Oxford Street, I heard. You know, starting at Camden, but moving all the way to Oxford Street. Uh, and uh, Bloomsbury Homes did dinner. And uh, it wasn't just, you know, normal food. It was, it was gourmet. It was good stuff. You know, uh, Camden Homes prepared sandwiches, handmade. They cut off the crust even. You know, it's posh when they cut off the crust. Uh, and, 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 and they make goodie bags with chips and sandwiches and fruits and juice and water and candy and chocolates and, and just to give out. And before giving out, each pack was prayed for. And, and, and last year, because we had homes in three locations, we were able to impact three different areas. And this year, we're so excited because we have four locations for homes. And hey, who knows? Who knows? Maybe, uh, you know, one of the homes is too big that uh, they, they, they can impact more than one location. But we, we shall see. We shall pray and seek the Lord. Uh, but at least this year, you know, if you haven't been involved in homes yet, Good Friday this year, you're going to get involved, you know, sign up for homes and uh, maybe we can make a difference in four different locations. And on top of that, as a church, we've also made a decision that on the 21 days leading up to Easter Sunday, uh, the, the, the whatever fasting that we do, whatever meal that we're fasting, whatever things that we're fasting, the money that would have otherwise been used to finance that meal, to, to, to buy that dinner, that breakfast, that lunch, that cup of coffee, uh, we would keep and set it aside and collect a special missions offering. Earlier on, you saw a video 
of the conference back home, and you saw, of course, you know, different leaders being prayed for, and, uh, you know, some of you, you just saw their faces, and you probably didn't know the context, but a lot of faces that you saw were leaders and representatives from the different ex-churches around the world, some from Indonesia, some from Thailand, some from Africa, and, uh, you know, they were there just to give an update on what God is doing. But at the end of that conference weekend, uh, the entire church also uh, did a collection according to their homes, you know, a missions collection to give on to finance all the missions work. And so we also decided that even though we are here in the UK, we don't want to be left out. So we collect our missions offering on Easter Sunday itself from the amount that we set aside uh, during fasting season. And so I want you to know, why, why, why is your pastor almost taking a side note uh, to explain all this is to reassure you that we are doing our best to live out the type of fast that God wants. That in our fasting, it's not just personal, uh, but we are also, you know, remembering those that are less fortunate, giving our, sharing our bread with the hungry and, 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 and covering those that uh, don't have clothes and, and so on and so forth. And this is the type of fast that God wants us to do. And in a while, I'm going to elaborate into that. But I'm going to just kind of like finish off uh, all the scripture and the last part, it will be God explaining the blessing uh, that we will receive if we begin to fast according to how He wants us to fast. And so this last part is important so that we don't lose out. Because the last thing I want for you is just to suffer for 21 days. And that's no fun. You know, it's, it's no, fasting is not a Christian form of dieting. It's not a Christian form of detox. I know sometimes people can talk, oh no, I'm fasting so that I become healthier. That's not the point. The point is that, you know, those that are less virtue can be remembered, but, but our personal breakthrough can also come forth. And this is what the Word of God says. Then, when you do that kind of fasting, when you don't just fast externally, but internally, you observe an attitude of fasting, you observe an attitude of humility and hunger for God's righteousness, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You see, a lot of times we understand fasting is a way for us to hear God. But we don't understand the middle part, which is that it's not just fasting that causes your voice to be heard by God, but it's fasting in the right way that causes your voice to be heard by God. And so it says here, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. And this is a blessing that all of us want. You shall cry and He will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, speaking of wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. It means that there will be no darkness in your life. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul even in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And this is the part that we all love. This is the blessing. This is the healing. This is the breakthrough that we want. But you notice here that it is conditional, not just on fasting, but the right type of fasting, but specifically fasting that loses chains and destroys yokes. As you can see here, it says that if you would take away the yoke from your midst. Let's go to verse number 6 again. And verse 6 says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? 
Every time you read the Bible and you find the same words repeated again, it's God's way of asking you to pay attention. And so God is saying that my fasting, the, the, the motivation, the motive of me wanting you to fast is so that you can break the yoke in your lives. Like we declared earlier, God has removed the penalty of sin, but sin sometimes still has power over us. And yoke is just another word for collar. And God is trying to paint us this picture. I have set you free, but you're still wearing a collar. And have you seen those pictures before, or maybe movies where, you know, people set the prisoners free? And I, I envision this as salvation. No, Jesus died on the cross, set all of us captives to sin free. And so all the prison doors of our life, the prison doors of sin, the prison door of shame, the prison door of condemnation, the prison door of, 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 of death, eternal death, has been ripped apart by God. And we have all our chains, like the songs that we sang earlier today, all the chains have been broken. The doors flung open, chains broken, but we're still wearing the collars. And this is true, otherwise God would not give us this kind of instructions to fast. You have been free, but you're still wearing a collar. You can, can you see the mental picture that I'm painting here? You know, God has set you free, you're wandering out. Ah, the door's open! Yay, freedom! I'm no longer locked to the wall. Yay, the chains have been broken! And you're running out, but you still have the collar on you. You still have the, it's not a bracelet, but a collar to your hands and collars to, you know, stocks to your feet. And you're walking around, you're free, but you're not completely free. And God is saying that this is why I need you to fast because I want you to break these collars, these chains over your life. You know, what do collars do? Collars choke. You know, I'm, talk I'm not talking about, you know, the collar that you wear. You know, some guys like to say, use that as an excuse. No, a pastor, I don't like to wear a tie because you know, it chokes me. No, no, no the, the tie doesn't choke. I'm not talking about that kind of collar. but talking about the type of collar that, that restrains. A collar that you put on an animal. The collar that you put uh, on prisoners. And so God is saying that I want you to remove those collars because those are not the accessories I want for your life. I want grace to be adorned over your neck. I want healing to be adorned over your wrist. Not those kind of yokes. And so this is why we fast. Not just to get what we want. This is why we fast. Not, not, not just so that our prayers are answered. We fast so that the yokes over our lives can be broken once and for all. And my desire for us is to live in the complete freedom in God. Now, you might be thinking, look at me like, you know, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I don't have any collars on my neck. I'm pretty free. I'm pretty okay. You know, but I want you to know that, you know, we could be more choked up than we realize. In fact, you know, it would be, very proud of us to say that, no, we, we don't need to fast and pray because then there is nothing we need to work on in our lives. You know, if Paul, the Apostle Paul, when I think of a super Christian, I think of the Apostle Paul. Man, this guy, he was learned. You know, he could preach. He could teach. He could write. He could heal the sick. He could do miracles. Man, this guy was amazing. And yet, even though he was by all means, as we understand him to be like, wow, such a super Christian, he himself declared in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 13, that I have not yet achieved. I have not yet obtained the fullness that God has in store for me. I do not consider myself having held the final prize. In fact, that was the verse that he says, no, forgetting all that lies behind, I press forward for the final prize. So if Paul, who is so anointed, if Paul, who is so learned, 
can still say, I am a work in progress, what more us? And so I want us to uh, begin to search our hearts today. Today's message is slightly different than my other messages because usually messages, we don't focus so much on the problem. You mention the problem, then you, 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 we talked about the solution in God's Word. So it's a setup and then a one-two punch or sometimes when I preach three points, so it's punch, punch, punch. But today, I want us to have a message that we open our hearts and I want us to walk away with food for thought, checking our hearts in preparation for the fasting that will be coming to go like, you know what, God, there are callers. If your word says that there are yokes in my life, there are yokes in my life. God, help me to identify them. Help me to work on them. And, and then once I identify it, help me to fast and pray so that I can be free of them. Amen? And so as I was meditating on how to help us get the most out of today's message and also get the most out of the prayer and fasting season, uh, God began to speak to me about the yokes. God began to speak to me about the, uh, the, 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 the callers that choke our life. And God began to reveal to me that, I want you to tell my people this, that while we can think that we're okay on the outside, there are things that are choking us up that we don't realize. And no matter how young you are a Christian or how mature you are as a Christian, these are things that we need to look at again and again in our lives. And so there are three things that choke us up. The first thing is this, comfort. Comfort. And God is reminding us to say that, look, you can be set free from the penalty of sin, but tell my people this, they are more choked. They are more yoked. They are more enslaved by comfort than they realize. And the truth is this, we are all creatures of comfort. But the truth is also this, that comfort is the enemy of growth. I mean, let's, let's, let's take a short break from spiritual things and let's talk about some, I don't know, things we can all agree on, okay? Ballet. Okay, maybe not everyone can agree on ballet, but just, just, just hang. When we look at a ballerina doing her thing, thrilling and dancing, and that looks elegant, that looks graceful, but how, do you, how many of you know that that's not comfortable? How many know that if comfort was a ballerina's main concern, she would not make it? Every time you look at a performance of Swan Lake, what you don't see are the toes that are bleeding. And the discomfort caused by all the hours of practicing. And you can Google this and find ballerinas while they look very elegant. Some of them have very distorted-looking feet. Their toes are bleeding and, 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 and I won't say deformed just in case there are any ballerinas in church here. But you know what I'm saying, you know, you, you cannot have that dance of grace without paying the price of discomfort. You know, let's talk about other stuff. You know, last week, uh, I used K-pop as an example and, uh, and all the K-pop fanatics in church started coming out and telling me, oh, Pastor, you know about this? I said, no, I, I don't. I was just using it as an illustration. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, even 
yeah, let's talk about, and they were telling me about how K-pop, like, wow, pastor, no, actually, they, they were telling me, no, I, I won't say the word excuses, but they were justifying why they enjoy K-pop. And they're saying, hey, I got nothing against K-pop, you know, we love Koreans. Uh, and uh, he's saying that, no, no, pastor, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not into it because the girls are pretty. Pastor, I'm not into it because the guys are good looking. I'm into it because the dedication. Pastor, have you seen them dance? And I go like, yes, I have. Isn't it so coordinated? I say, yes, it is. It's so fluid. I say, yes. They can really groove. They can really groove. But how many know that that took them hours of practice again and again and again? Not just so that one person can get the dance move right, so that all of them can get it right and right at the same time. Is it comfortable? It's not. And so, whatever it is, let's, what, my point is this, don't talk about spiritual things, even physical things, everyday things. Comfort is an enemy to growth. If you want to pass your exams, it's not comfortable. If you want to be a talented musician, it's not comfortable. You can talk to any of the guitarists in church. And they will tell you how when they first started playing the guitar, their fingers used to bleed. And now if you go to touch any of the guitarists there, the fingertips, you'll realize that it's really tough and rough. And I think the word for it is, is a, there's a layer of callus that has formed. What's that? Was that comfortable? No. But that was the price that they had to pay for improvement. And so God is saying to us, you know, as Christians, you are also creatures of comfort. And, and, and remind my people that the cross wasn't comfortable. And, and so we need to be people who worship the cross and not worship comfort. We're going to ask ourselves this, and I can guarantee you, the reason why a lot of us don't serve, comfort. Because it's uncomfortable to come early. It's uncomfortable to give up more time. Do you know not another way to describe comfort? is self-centeredness. Because we like focusing on ourselves, making it comfortable for ourselves. But God wants us to stop focusing on comfort, stop focusing on yourself so that you can begin to grow and remove this yoke of comfort over your life. If I tell you today that, hey, you know, someone just blesses us with a building but it's all the way in Hammersmith. She will be starting, uh, we'll be moving our church there and we'll be starting services in Hammersmith next week onwards. I guarantee you, half of you will be looking for another church around here. Comfort. But God wants us to be more than creatures of comfort. You know, some of you, the reason why you don't worship comfort, because if you wanted to worship the way you want to worship, you were afraid that the other people around you will look at you and make you feel uncomfortable. And so you choose not to so that you remain comfortable. But God wants us to move out of that comfort zone so that we can begin to grow, so that we begin to improve, so that we begin to be all that we can be in Him. Friends, realize this. You know, don't tell me, Pastor, I, got, I don't need to fast for anything. You, you, you're going to fast. It could be also be comfort that stops you from fasting. Because you're so comfortable living your life that you don't want that comfort to be disrupted. And guess what? Fasting disrupts your comfort. And that's why God knows. Do you see? God knows what we need to destroy the yokes in our life. If our yoke is comfort, fasting is the first thing that challenges that. 
So I want us to go back and seek God and go like, God, what other areas of my life that are too comfortable? Am I too comfortable in my faith? Am I too comfortable in my serving? Am I too comfortable in, 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 in my giving? God, help me. Help me, Lord, to grow. Help me, Lord, to challenge myself. The second yoke over our lives is a bigger word. Write it down. Compartmentalization. I'm trying to keep my points in C. Comfort compartmentalization. In other words, selective faith. And this affects us more than we realize. In fact, this affects all of us. Don't, as I was preparing for this message, God, in a very creative way, led me to, not Scripture, but this other very powerful document, well-known document called the Declaration of Independence. It's written by the founding fathers of the United States of America. And in the second line of the Declaration of Independence that all Americans hold dear, it says here, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing it, but it sounds familiar. But God began to give me a revelation. Do you know that the person who drafted this, <coughs> excuse me, the person who drafted this document, his name is Thomas Jefferson. He later went on to become one of the presidents. He was not only the founding father of America, one of the founding fathers of America, but he later would serve as one of his presidents. And he was the one who drafted this. But as he drafted this, and the words of all men are created equal, all men have been given the right for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness by their creator. As he was writing this, he owned more than 100 slaves. And in his entire lifetime, didn't set any of them free. And this person could be living a life as a slave owner and still be writing out this beautiful document called the Declaration of Independence and he didn't struggle with the inconsistency of his own writing. He didn't struggle with the contradiction of his own writing. He didn't struggle with the hypocrisy of his own words and yet go on to serve as a president and yet not one time changing his life. What I'm trying to say is this. We are more capable of hypocrisy than we realize. And why does hypocrisy happen especially in the lives of believers? It's not because we're evil. It's because of compartmentalization. Many times we come before God and we're saying yes to God, but we're not saying yes to all of God. And we can say, and a lot of us, we can come in and we can, we, can, we can love the worship, we can love serving, we can love the message, we can love bringing friends to our church, but then in our lives, we can say to God, please don't touch this area. And we can come to church and, 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 and serve and, and, and tell God, but please, I will give you and I'll give sacrificially and you really do. I will serve you and you serve God sacrificially and you really do. 
God, I'm committed, and you, and you really are. You're there for all the meetings, prayer meetings, homes, service. And yet, you can have areas in your life that you refuse to let God touch. God, I love you, but please don't tell me who I can date or who I can't date. God, I love you, but please don't tell me who I can forgive and who I can't forgive. Or please don't tell me how long I can hold a grudge. God, I love you, but this is my life. This is my zone, hands off God. And we got to check ourselves again because so many times we come before God and there's no breakthrough in our lives because we compartmentalize God. God, you can touch this area, but you can't touch this other area. How many times have we done that, friends? God, I love you, but God, you know, and, and you don't even, that's the, that's the dangerous thing. You don't even say it. You don't even say, God, I love you, but please don't. If you only said that, you can even hear the hypocrisy in your own voice. But instead, we go like, God, I love you. And when we go back to our homes without blinking an eye, we go back to our own lifestyle. And God is saying that the reason why that happens in your life is because you still have the yoke of compartmentalization. Your heart yearns to be free, completely set free by God. But then there are this, this automatic, you know, some of us, we, we, we love God, but we don't want to change. And we run after, from one conference to another conference, and Christian music is all that we listen to, and Christian music is all that we sing, yet our life, we're not teachable, we don't want to grow, we don't want to change. What's that about? And God is saying that this is something that you need to break. This is something that can only be broken through fasting and prayer. Number three, the other thing that chokes us besides comfort, and our fallen nature to be able to compartmentalize anything, especially spiritual things, is the collar and the choke of concern. In other words, fear in our lives. Do you realize that we never stop being afraid? Recently, I had a good news. Good news that a friend of mine was expecting. And uh, this person, before they were expecting, they were afraid. Oh, Will I be able to find someone? And then they found someone. Oh, is this the right person? Then they became the right person. Oh, will we have children? Now we have children. And then now they are being afraid of, oh, but we just conceived. So I'm too afraid to tell the news. So I'm not going to tell my parents yet, just in case a miscarriage happens. And I can see that if, unless that fear is addressed, that fear will continue. Oh, will the baby be healthy? Then the baby is healthy. Oh, will the baby be smart? Then the baby is smart. Oh, will, will I be able to provide enough for the baby? You know, the fear continues. Go on and on and on. What is it about fear that chokes us up? What is it about fear that seems to control us? And one of my passions as a pastor is to help people live fearless lives. It is to see people that were once so afraid uh, of anything and everything to begin to live faith-filled lives for God and begin to break free the, the, the chains of fear and the collars of fear in their lives. And my desire is for us to enter in to this season of prayer and fasting, uh, not just with pride in our hearts, but with a desire to check ourselves and go like, God, what 
help me to address this comfort issue in my life. God, help me to address this hypocrisy in my life. God, help me to address uh, this, 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 this fear issue in my life. And as I begin to discover and to, 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 to think about and to study on this, God pointed me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. And it made me realize that the reason why fear has so much control over us and it's something that we never seem to be able to get rid of. You know, it, it seems to be alive and wants to come back again and again and again. It's because fear is the first fallen emotion ever expressed by mankind. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, when mankind ate the fruit that God told them not to eat, and they fell, they hid from God. And it said there in Genesis 3, 10, God said, Adam, Adam, where are you? And Adam replied, you can go back and you can read this. Oh, thanks. He says here, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. A lot of us think that, wow, our first emotion after falling is to be ashamed. No, no, no. Fear came first before shame. And fear was the first emotional response we gave to God. And that's why until today, we can be set free. And yet, every time God challenges us, our response is still fear. Because it's, it's the instinct of our sinful nature from day one, since the day of creation. And so this is why God is reminding us, I, I, my fasting is not complete until yokes are broken. And these this yokes are broken not just when you remember the poor, which as a church we have been. Not just when you begin to give to other people, which as a church we will do and will continue to do. But until every yoke is broken. Not loosed, not slightly disconnected, but broken. And God is saying that I want you to do a heart check. I want you to teach my people to check their hearts and go like in this season of fasting and prayer, God, help me to address fears in my life. Because if we don't address that fear, it, it, it morphs into this thing called paranoia. And it becomes this cloud that follows us. We're fearful in our studies. We're fearful of our future. We just can't help but be afraid. Instead of using that same energy of being afraid to have faith, we choose to have fear. And God is saying that the reason why sometimes we can't help ourselves is because you're called by it. The reason why we can't help ourselves but compartmentalize God is because we're called by it. The reason why we can't help ourselves but choose comfort over pleasing God is because we're called by it. And God wants to set us free. And, and, and how does fasting and prayer address this issue? Fasting forces these issues to the surface so that your prayers can address them, so that your prayers can remove them. Let's talk about comfort again. What's the number one reason? After all I shared about fasting, after all I shared about what I'm going to fast, what's the number one reason people don't fast? Comfort. Because it's uncomfortable to fast. Some people are so, they're so good, they're so collared by comfort that they even say things like this, oh, the reason I don't fast is because fasting food doesn't affect me. Really? Fasting food doesn't affect you. I've eaten with you before. Fasting food doesn't affect you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fasting food doesn't affect me. Maybe you're more bound by comfort than you realize. To the point where you don't even dare challenge yourself to fast food. 
What, what, what stops you from fasting? The collar of compartmentalization. Oh, that's good, but it's not for me. Oh, that's good, but I don't need it. But when you fast, you can't compartmentalize. Sometimes we like to compartmentalize our faith even. But when you fast, your faith comes to the surface. Because your friends will start inviting you, Hey, would you like to go out for a meal? Yikes, I can't compartmentalize my faith now. In the past, as I know, Sunday belongs to God, but Monday to Friday, I live as I please. But if I were to fast, the, the, the faith of God and the presence of God begins to invade my Monday to Fridays. And when my friend invites me out for a meal, invites me out for a drink, I can't participate because I'm fasting. Do you see how fasting disrupts your flesh's plan to compartmentalize your faith in God in your life? How about fear? A lot of us don't fast because of fear as well. I heard this said too many times before. Pastor, you don't understand. I've got stomach ulcers. I've got gastric issues in the past. So I cannot fast because when I fast, it will you know, get worked up. And I'm like, do you listen to yourself? You haven't fasted before. So how do you know that when you fast, your stomach's going to get worked up? No, Pastor, I just know. I just know. Do you know faith? Or do you know fear? Some of us, we allow fear to tell us what not to do. Fear, I won't sign up for missions. Fear, I won't give. Fear, I won't serve. Fear. But God is saying, come on. Would you begin to fast and address these issues? Otherwise, this will follow you all the days of your life. And I don't want us to be bound by comfort. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against us having comfort in our lives. But not so comfortable that we begin to worship it than to worship God. I don't want us to be so enslaved by fear that it begins to become a paranoia that stops us and, 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 and eliminates sleep and rest from our lives. That makes us nervous even before we take our first step. That's not how God wants you to live. That's not how I want you to live. And I encourage us as a church to make preparation that at the end of this month, to join together as a church, to enter into a time of fasting and prayer. And yes, you can pray about all the different things that you are going through, but also make sure to spend time prayer and fasting to address some of these comfort issues, compartmentalization issues, and fear issues in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word of God says that your word is good for teaching, is good for encouragement, is good for correction, is, is good as a mirror. And God, we thank you, Lord, that today we're able to take your word and, and look at it as a mirror and begin to say, God, help us to prepare because there's power in preparation. Lord, even as we go into prayer and fasting, God, we don't just want to skip it because it's uncomfortable. We don't want to skip it thinking that it doesn't apply to us. We don't want to skip it because we're afraid of the pain. But God, I ask, Lord, that you help us to prepare by seeking you and reflecting and asking you to remove some of these collars, some of these yokes, 
from our lives once and for all. God, help us, Lord, to live a life that pleases you. Help us to live a life, Lord, of true freedom, not partial freedom, true freedom. God, I pray that you will give everyone here in this room wisdom. And may we go back today, Lord, thinking, meditating on your word and preparing ourselves to draw near to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, Thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.